0: Well, good morning again. Yeah? Wasn't that great? i gonna tell you what, sometimes I think if uh, we, we understand the prophetic nature of what God does, oftentimes when, when God does those kinds of things in worship and they're, they're unspoken like that, it's as if he can get beyond our language barriers, right? And didn't you feel that deep in your soul, like there's something God was speaking to you? Now, now it's up to us to respond to that. If you just walked away from here today and said, like, well, that was fun. That was pretty. Wow. There's nothing wrong with that. You can do that. But but I'll tell you, there's something God was speaking in some of your hearts. I could see it in your faces. So, so let him because anytime you hear a prophetic word, it's our job now to respond to it. Right? So respond. Maybe God was saying it's time to step out, or it's time to be healed, or it's time to receive that, whatever. Do that now. Amen. Amen. Hey, listen, I'm really glad to be back. Polly and I and our team had an amazing time over there in uh, the Holy Land. It was amazing. I want to say thank you for all of you who served like crazy. Uh, specifically, I want to say thank you to Omar and Kari and how they preached like crazy. They do an amazing job. Come on, it was awesome. I got to listen to them when I was over there. When I was over there, it's kind of fun in Israel. Um, uh, I got to uh, just listen to them preach. And i tell you what, nothing cooler than being in the Holy Land listening to Omar Laura preach, right? Come on. And it's funny because while I was up there listening to him preach, people were sending me pictures of his iPad up here with Raiders stuff on the back of it, <laughs> saying, get him out. <laughs> Great preacher, horrible team. <laughs> it was hilarious. I just send them back to him. It was amazing. Anyway, we had an amazing time, and I just want to say thank you for that. Uh, we were sent, and uh, somebody asked me today, well, what would you learn? And I'm afraid I'd kill you if I just ran the fire hose in your face and told you all the stuff that I learned, but I won't do that. I can tell you two things that jumped off the page to me. One of the first things I feel like the Lord spoke to me when we were in Israel was, was just simply this, first thing first. He said, Lance, you need to slow down a skosh. And I was like, he didn't say skosh, he just said, you need to slow down. And I thought, what do you mean, Lord? And I feel like the Lord was saying that, In in Israel, Jewish people, three times a year, they they had to, at that point, make a trek from where they lived up to Jerusalem. And you have to understand, like, it was a journey. I mean, for some who lived around the Sea of Galilee, it was like traveling from Portland to Seattle, except that somewhere in the middle of the journey, you ran to what was called the Dead Sea, literally the lowest place on planet Earth. So they went from up in the Galilee down to the Dead Sea and then up to Jerusalem, right? Three times a year. Three times a year. That's like coming up to your kids and saying, okay, guys, we're in the middle of planting this crop. Everyone quit. We're going, right? And you just pack up and travel 10 days or so. Now, here's what you don't do. Here's what me, if I was those guys, I'd be like, okay, guys, 10 days, we could do it in seven. <laughs> we can go worship in seven. I mean, that's the that's sad, right? Because that's how I would have been. In fact, what I learned when I was over there was life is about the journey. Life is not about the destination. And so much of our culture is about the destination, what you accomplish, what you get to, what you arrive at instead of the journey you're on. I can tell you right now, the most important thing for me right now is being with you. That's the most important thing. I've loved embracing it. God changed me on this trip, and he told me, you live and breathe every moment because I give you every single moment that you have. may not give you any more after today, but I'm giving you that today. And I'll tell you what, the moment moment I remember catching a hold of that, I thought, God, I Forgive me. Now, I would just challenge any of you. I could cry thinking about this. You got babies at home? Keep them at home. Love them at home. Care for them at home because they're not going to be at home forever. You hope. I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. Love them. The second thing I feel like the Lord really told me was this. Guys, the Bible that you have in your hands or on your iPads, your iPhones, whatever you got, the Bible is real. Yay. It's real, I'm telling you, it's crazy, it's real. The Bible you have in your hands is the real deal. There's nothing cooler than, than like literally standing on the shores of the Sea of Galilee and then walking out a few feet and realizing you can't walk on it, right? Uh, Jesus, right? But realizing, right, step into that whole thing, right? Or, 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 or literally going over to an olive tree that's 2,000 years old and picking a leaf off it. Knowing that this is, the, this is the olive grove where Jesus sweat drops of blood just before he was crucified. Nothing crazier than walking through the city of David knowing that King David was like right here in this place. Nothing weirder than walking through this little place called the, 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 the tomb where Jesus was no longer. It was amazing. I just want to tell you this more than anything else. The Bible you have is real. The Bible you have in your hand is real. And the moment we stop and realize, think to ourselves at some point, like, man, you know, this is kind of a, a good set of sayings and some really nice people put this thing together, folks, it's the living, breathing words of God. I cannot tell you how much of a, an effort it would be for them to create a hoax called the Bible. You know how much of an effort it would be? Like, for instance, there's this little town called Bethsaida over there near the Sea of Galilee. Bethsaida was where Peter lived, right? Peter lived in this little town called Bethsaida near the Sea of Galilee. You know they unearthed that place just a couple years back? Well, that's crazy. You mean to tell me that it was in the Bible? Yeah, do you realize that every single site we saw showed up in the Bible? For them to create a hoax, they would have to bury a little town called Bethsaida and wait for several hundred years for some guy just to find it. Well, if the Bible's real geographically, then it's real in everywhere. He said he has hope for you. He said he has peace for you. He said he has life for you. He has purpose for you. And the sooner we embrace that, the sooner life's going to transform in you and you watch God change you. The Bible you have is real. I, I always think it's amazing because um, here, here's, the, here's the great thing. The, the Bible's so funny because it literally is made up of a bunch of people who did their best to learn how to walk with God, and then blew it, and then learn how to walk with God again, and sought forgiveness, and then blew it again, and sought forgiveness. If I was going to write the Bible, you know what I would do? I would only include all the good ones. I'd only include all the... the. I would include Peter walking out on the water, period. wouldn't say he doubted and started sinking, right? I wouldn't say King David, who was the greatest king in the nation of Israel, ended up... Uh, finding some pretty little lady taking a bath and ended up killing her husband and taking her for his wife i wouldn't i wouldn't keep that there i wouldn't i wouldn't let uh, paul one who wrote three quarters of the new testament that you hold in your hands i wouldn't write in there that paul prayed one time for god to remove the thorn in his flesh and god said no i'd only really put the good stuff in there paul prayed and the guy was healed yay you know why because that's what cults do you know how the Bible you have in your hand is real? It's because it's made up of a bunch of real people with living real life seeking a real God. And the sooner you embrace that, the sooner you can receive the message that God has for you through it. And it can transform you. Hmm. I love the Bible. I love the Bible. Every single site we went to was what was confirmed in Scripture. We're in week four of our, of our theme launch series, where we launched our theme for the year. As we head into this message today, I, I, can we just pray as we do that? God, we pray today that you would help us to hear what you have to say. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for your mercy and your grace and your prophetic words to our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hey, can I just ask a little favor? A favor is this. There are some of you who I can see the nice glow off your phones and your glasses. Yeah, do not, in Jesus' name, tell me the score or anything about the game. All right? Can you make, hold your hand up. I promise not to say it to Lance. Right? And just come on. come on. I don't collect stamps. I just want to watch the game. All right? So inevitably, or somebody will walk up to me and go like, you know what? You don't want to watch it. Don't do that either. All right? Because I want to watch it. Right? Or they come up and go like, oh, did you hear the guy that got hurt? Just don't do that either. I love you. But if you, I promise I'll lay hands on you. I, 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 it might be a little firm. But I, I want to hug you. <laughs> our theme that we launched, your move, your move. We were talking about your move. God's move in our life, our move to God, and, and our move and what God's called us to. We believe that your move was a call to step out in faith. We believe that your move was allowing God to embolden us to step out with courage in the places that are Way darker than we're used to, and way deeper than we've ever been, we believe that your move was a call to fall in love with the words of God like never before. I want to challenge you again. Like I'll challenge, I'll do this. Gosh, a bunch of times this year. But if you're not following along in our reading plan, do please. There's a there's a reading plan out on the on information center. You can go out and grab that and and follow along in our reading plan and do what we're calling Lexio Divina. And if you forget that and you're at home thinking, ah, I forgot my thingy. Go online at pscc.net, and you can see the reading plan. That's what I do. When I was in Israel, I forgot my reading plan. But I was over there. I kept on logging in, pscc.net. And I just read along with all of you. I can tell you. It was amazing. So keep doing that. You're going to find out what we're preaching. You're going to live on what we're preaching. You're going to see that happening. And I want us all together in the words of God together as a church. Let's do that, all right? Amen. This first chapter of your Bibles, if you could, to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1 was kind of our keynote uh, uh, starting point for the launch of our theme for this year. We believe that God was really calling us to this moment to to look at the book of Joshua and see what God was speaking to Joshua, speaking through Joshua, speaking to us in in regards to what Joshua was dealing with. We We find our friend Joshua literally being handed the baton from Moses and, 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 and Moses, who had led the children of Israel out of Egypt and, and who delivered them from bondage and slavery into this moment where they had the potential of crossing into the promised land 40 years before this, they didn't. And so God said to Moses, listen, hand the baton off to Joshua, long trade of events that had gone on, but Joshua gets the baton, and he, we find Joshua in Joshua chapter one with this mantle of authority been handed on to him. Joshua's overlooking the, 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 the promised land, and he, he literally has his toes on the shores of, of the Jordan River that's at flood stage, just looking over into the promised land, thinking to himself, the last time I was there was 40 years ago. The last time I was there, I saw grapes that were the size of watermelons. I saw fruit. I saw things that were there. I saw giants, but I know that God's still able to defeat giants. That's what we saw. In fact, it was interesting when we were over there in Israel, we got to stand on the the shores of the Jordan River. In fact, I got to go into the Jordan River and baptize a few people, and it was a lot of fun to do that. Here's a funny thing you don't know, know, a little fact. I might have a couple pictures up here. Um, Again, not the greatest photographer, but some of them will show up there. I can tell you that uh, this was a guy who just showed up, and we were baptizing people, and he's like, how about me? <laughs> and I was like, all right. Uh, it was amazing, because they were there literally being trained for some emergency response. They were from Africa, I believe. And they came in, and they said, Pastor, can we get baptized? And I was like, yeah, that's great. So we did. And little did you know that at this particular moment, there were hundreds, if not thousands, of little teeny catfish nippling at my feet. <laughs> I was speaking in tongues like crazy I was like, and people were like, we pay for that, and I was like, I don't want that. Oh, anyway, so we got to see that happen. There's another picture up there. Can you see that? That's the Jordan River. Uh, this right here is literally the Jordan River where John the Baptist would baptize people. And you can see right now it's September. It's not a real big river. It's just a teeny little river right there, right? But in this particular spot, if you if you pan the camera out, go to the next picture there, you're going to see nothing. It looks it looks like this big deserty looking place, right? Kind of looks like Yakima, but but it's like. But here, here's the funny thing. This is just beyond that point, right? And what this, to see on this beyond that point is, remember the Bible says at this point, the Jordan River was at flood stage. Well, the Jordan River doesn't live at flood stage. It lives at that stage, right? And then at flood stage, it literally makes all of these big indentations. And you can see where the water had been. You can see where the water was at flood stage, what it did to the, the, to the, to the whole topography, what was going on over there. It was crazy to see that. We got to see this is literally right around the place where, right over that little guardrail, <laughs> would be looking over into where Jericho is, was, was. That was amazing. Listen, we saw Joshua standing on the, on the eastern side of the Jordan River, looking over into what he saw was the promised land. He could see over there, and he's like, God, is it my time? Are we ready? You know, I wonder, I wonder how, I wonder if you feel like Joshua. I wonder if you feel like Joshua where you've been given a promise that, and you've been asking God, Lord, what's the promise you have for me? And he's like, I have a promise for your healthy marriage. I have a promise for your fulfillment of my plan in your life. I have a promise for you to find financial security. I have a promise for you to finally get past the pain of the past. A promise for you. And between you and your promise lies this big, insurmountable obstacle at flood stage. See, maybe you're more like Joshua than you think, and you know that there's a promise just on the other side, but between you and that promise lies this big thing that you can't get out of your way. See, maybe you're a lot like Joshua, and, and, and most of the time, we look at that big insurmountable obstacle, and here's what we say, ah, too big, I'll just, I'm going to play later, and we walk away. I believe with all my heart that God has brought you here for such a time as this, that this is a season that God has Puget Sound Christian Center postured for a moment of saying, let's take the land. It's time to cross over into the land. You spent enough time circling the desert, doing the same old thing, looking for something different and finding the same old results. Maybe it's time for us to cross over into the land of the giants and watch God do amazing things. Maybe it 's time hmm. Hmm. it's interesting. Kari did a masterful job when she was talking about the promised land. She mentioned to us that the promised land was of the Old Testament was really real estate that they were crossing over to possess real estate. They were going to take Jericho, then they were going to take Ai, then they were going to take the town called Gibeon, and they were just going to amass literally all of this land. And that was the process. As God says, I'm going to give you the promised land. Well, then Kari went in to talk to you about what the New Testament version of the promised land is, that it's not about real estate for you and me, but there's a there's a promised land for you and I, the Bible in Hebrews, in fact, if you have, have a few minutes, read the book of Hebrews chapters 1 through 8 or 1 through 6, and you're going you're to see a message written to Christians about obtaining of the promised land, about literally walking into the destiny that God has created each and every one of us for. That's exactly what she's saying, this promised land for you and I. The Bible in Hebrews doesn't call it promised land. It calls it promised rest. Uh, awkwardly enough, the Old Testament actually referred to the promised land as the 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 resting place. The promised land would be a resting place. It sounds kind of weird if you think that a resting place is filled with giants that you need to overcome. Well why well, I thought a resting place would be, you know, you're just, you know, you know, the, the store's closed, your feet are up, it's we're done, I'm resting. Nah, no, resting isn't a uh, resting isn't a a fixed position. Resting is a cultivating position. In other words, God doesn't want us to possess and and just acquire land. He wants us to cultivate a lifestyle. That's what it's like. That's what God's calling us to. He's calling us to a place of maturing. A place of maturing. Remember, you don't have to choose to grow older, but you sure have to choose to grow up. Nothing weirder than seeing a person who's grown older who has not grown up. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy spiritually. Because there are some of us who's logged a bunch of years spiritually. And we should be at a different place than we are. Because we've not chosen to grow up. We've simply logged years and grown older spiritually. I believe with all my heart that this is a season that God has for us to mature, to take some steps. What's that going to mean? It's going to mean that we're going to have to fight a few battles. It's going to mean that you're going to have to walk into some places called faith. It's going to mean that you're going to step across some thresholds that have caused you fear and worry and anxiety. And you begin to watch God show up the way he said he would show up. And you find victory like you've never seen before. And your fears get placed where they belong. Back in the seat of hell. As you have your finger in Joshua chapter 1, I just, I'm going I'm to read this uh, passage out of Hebrews chapter 4 just, just to give you a little context. Hebrews chapter 4, I think it will be up on the screen. Verse 1 says this, God's promise of entering his place of rest still stands, so we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might still fail to get there. For this good news, that God has prepared a place of rest, has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it did no good because they didn't believe what God told them. For only we who believe can enter this place of rest. As for those who didn't believe, God said in my anchor I made a vow, you'll never enter my place of rest. Even though this place of rest has been ready since he made the world. Now some have thought this particular passage was talking about salvation. That this place of rest was about salvation. And some can apply this to that, and I think it makes sense. But I think moreover, here's what he's talking about. He's talking to believers. In fact, you have read a little further down, which we will in a minute. He's actually talking to Christians. And he's saying, listen, I've created this place of rest for you, Christian. You who walk with God currently, I've made a place of rest for you. What's the message? The message is some of us aren't living in the maturity that God intended us to live in. Some of us are just bumping around through our same old struggles and our same old fears and our same old sin issues again and again and again. And he's saying right now, would you just stop? There's a couple of fights I want you to acquire and move on through, and you begin to walk in a place of rest when you fight those giants. But it's your move because you don't have to. That's the great thing about this walk with God. I love this this walk with God. Here's the beautiful thing is that you don't got to do it if you don't want to. You don't have to read your Bible if you don't want to. You don't have to even believe it if you don't want to because that's the nature of love. But you're crazy if you don't because it's life. The living, breathing words of God spoken to our hearts telling us you can do all things through Christ that gives you strength, that there is no weapon formed against you that will prosper, that there's an amazing plan for your life that God set for long ago. That's the plan God has for us. And too many of us keep on taking punches on the chin thinking, I guess I'll just remain here because that's what I'm relegated for. I'm just the living, breathing, punching bag. And I'm here to tell you, you're not that person. You are created in the very image and likeness of God. And he's created you, daughter. And he loves you, son. And he's saying, listen, it's time to move past that moment. And you make your move and you walk into the promised land and you find places of rest. Somebody say amen. I just give me a drink off a fire hose. Hmm. Listen to this. The Old Testament. Oftentimes I'll tell you to read the Old Testament with New Testament glasses. And every time I say that, some of you, I just see these bubbles over your head like, what? Right? So, so what does it mean to put New Testament glasses on when you read the Old Testament? Let me just show you. So, so get this. When you read the Old Testament, always look back and say, like, what is it saying in the Old Testament to that moment? For example, Joshua, right? We see Joshua. The word Joshua, actually, his name means God is salvation. The word Joshua in Hebrew means God is salvation. Get this there's another guy in the New Testament named Jesus, whose name means God is salvation. It's the same name. Literally, it's the same name. Joshua and Jesus, it's the same thing. And and God is salvation. It's the message that God wanted to say to them, just like he wanted to say to you. God is salvation. Now, here's the funny thing. Listen to this. The Jordan River was a barrier between them and their places of maturity. It was a barrier, right? There's something needed to happen to create space in the barrier for them all to cross into a place of maturity, a place of wholeness, a place of freedom. Well, something had to happen, right? The water needed to stop. Interestingly enough, he didn't wait till he could have gone here and and divided the water or told people, hey, we're going to build a little bridge when it's not at flood stage. Instead, God wanted to wait until the mountain was huge, until the river was wide, and then God stepped in and did something amazing. You know what he did? The Bible says when the ark of God, literally the priest, walked into the Jordan River up to their thighs, the Bible says the water stopped. It didn't just stop right there and start piling up. Literally, the Bible says it stopped all the way up at this little teeny town, and then the water stopped to go flowing all the way down to the Dead Sea. In fact, let me just read this to you, and you get the picture. In Joshua chapter 3, it says, The water began piling up at a town upstream called Adam. Everyone say Adam. Adam. Little teeny town called Adam, near Zarethan. The water below that point flowed down to the Dead Sea. Everyone say the Dead Sea. Until the riverbed was dry, then the people crossed over near the city of Jericho. Why do I have you do all that? Old Testament with New Testament glasses, right? Joshua tells the people to step into the Jordan River. The Jordan River stops, and a pathway is made all the way from Adam to death. What? What did Jesus do? Jesus died on a cross. You know what he did? He made a pathway from Adam to death. What? It's the same picture. It was us walking into a land of promise. Of us walking in. He made the same pathway. He stopped it over and he said, listen, you have an opportunity or you can stay over here in the desert. There's a pathway made for you. It's up to you. You can make the journey or you can stay over there in the desert that's lifeless, that, that, that's, that, that's meaningless, that's dry and arid. Or you can, and that borders the land of Egypt that remembered was slavery and bondage. And some of you have been living in that place where slavery and bondage is just right at your back. And I believe God is saying to you this morning, it's time. It's time for us to move forward into this land of promise. It's time for us to take a step and begin to walk into this. Now, a few years back, I began to talk to you about the giants in the land. Now, I don't have the time to break up all of the, all the definitions of all the tribes, but there were about seven tribes that the children of Israel were assigned to go ahead and overtake and literally to get out of their way. And, and, and as I did this research, listen, you, you need to get this if you want to, but if you want to get this research, I have a list of all the definitions of all the tribes and what they mean, but then I have a bunch of scriptures that backed it up so, you can, so you'd understand. If you want that information, text my assistant Heather, or just email her, heather at pscc. .net. And, and she'll send it to you. But it's just literally, listen to this. There were seven tribes. There were the Amorites, Hittites, Hivites, Jebusites, Canaanites, Perizzites, and Girgashites. Everyone say that, right? So I, I can tell you this, right? So these were the ites that were in the land, literally, in the way. Listen to this. These, are the, these were the, the, the enemies that stood in the land, that literally possessed the land that Jesus told them through Joshua. Joshua, you go ahead and take hold of what belongs to you. Listen to this. The Amorites, you know what their name means? Amorite, the name means pride. uh, The Hittites, their name means compromise. Hivites, their name means fear. Jebusites, oppression. Canaanite, shame. Perizzites, indecision. Gergesites, faithlessness. Pride, compromise, fear, oppression, shame, indecision, and faithlessness. Guys, these are some of the giants that some of you have been being beaten up by for years. Some of you have been punched, rocks thrown at. You've been told you're always going to be filled with shame. You're always going to live under that curse. You're never going to get past it. Some of you have been, you try to step out in faith, but you find yourself saying, I doubt it, I doubt it. And faithlessness wakes up. Some of you you are living in this waffling indecision all the time. And you just feel like, I can't make a decision to save my life. You've been dealing with pride and because you you feel like you've accomplished something and everyone should be applauding you and all the things that have gone on. But literally, those giants have been taking the life blood out of you. And it's time for us to fight that. It's time for us to step into the land of promise and move beyond those, those things that have been holding us back and begin to say, Listen, I know who God created me to be, I know what God prepared for me. He prepared for you to live in rest. Peace and rest. Are there two better words in the English language that every one of us wants? Peace and rest. Is there two more words that any of us wants more than that? It's what we live for. We live for peace and rest. It's what we work for. It's why we give. It's why we serve. It's why we go to church. It's why we do what we do. We all want some peace. That's why when we see somebody who's passed away and we go to their funeral and we say, What? She looks so peaceful. As if somehow at the end of their life, that's supposed to be the the acquisition? Wouldn't it be true that God would want us to live a life of peace and rest here now today before you're at the funeral home? And unfortunately, so many of us live stressed and worried and anxious and prideful and compromised and all the things that we are because we keep on getting beaten up by these giants. And I'm here to say, church, enough is enough. It's time for us to step across this big pathway that Joshua, that Jesus made for us and step into a land of promise. Well, there's some battles there. There's some battles that need to be waged, some, 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 some struggles that need to be fought, but, but they will. But you have to make the move. You have to make the decision to say enough is enough. I've taken it on the chin too many times. Now go back to Joshua chapter one. Joshua chapter one, I love this. Joshua is talking to the children of Israel. This is chapter chapter 1, verse 10. Joshua says this, Then Joshua commanded all of the leaders of Israel, here's what he says, Go through the camp and tell the people to get their provisions ready. In three days we'll cross the Jordan River and take possession of the land that your God has given you. Joshua tells these guys to get ready. He says, listen, you got to get ready. If we're going to cross this land, if we're going to ford these waters, if we're going to step into a giant fight, if we're going to do what we got to do, you've got to be ready. you got to be ready. you got to be ready to step into this. You can't just trip into it one morning and say, hey, you know I think I'm going to fight pride today. I think I'm going to deal with compromise. It's going to be no big deal. Well, it's a big deal. But let me tell you this, these giants are people killers, man. They want to take you out. They've been doing a pretty good job. You know what giant killers are like? Giant Not not giant killers, but giants who kill. You know what they're like? They're stealthy. They want to take you out and make you think it's your fault. They'll do everything they can to lie to you, to tell you that you're not good enough. You'll always be like that. You'll never change. You're always going to be this way, and you're never going to get any better than this. Because that's what giants do. They lie. And I'm here to tell you, Joshua looks at them and he says, listen, we have some fighting to do, folks. we got some things to take care of, but you better be ready. You better be ready. What does it mean to be ready? How, how do you get ready to fight a giant? How do you get ready to step across to something that's bigger than you, that's, that, that's literally over your head? How do you fight a giant? How do you prepare to do that? First things first, you've got to get your heart right with Jesus. If you're going to get ready to cross over this Jordan River, that's that flood stage, if you're going to get ready to, to step into something that's way over you, you got to get ready by knowing who Jesus is. I believe with all my heart, as I've been praying for this day, this moment, this, this particular situation, I've been praying that God would show you there are some people here today or here who are listening or watching us online who have never surrendered their lives to Jesus. That you're here this morning and you're not ready. But you're not ready to step into that thing. You're just, you, you've been around people who've been ready. You kind of wished you were ready. You kind of feel like, you're, like you might be ready, but you know that you know that you know that in your heart of hearts you're not ready. In other words, you know that if you were to stand before God and he were to ask you, are you a believer? You know the answer to that. It's showing up in how you talk and walk and live and breathe. My question for you is, are you ready? Are you ready? Because if you're not ready, then let's take care of that today. Let's take care of the being ready. That you, you get your heart right with Jesus. That you say, Jesus, I give my life to you. Because let me tell you this, this Bible you hold in your hand is for real. There really is a hell. There really is a heaven. And you need to be ready. And if you're not ready, you realize that, do you realize that God set you up. He brought you here to church today to hear this message. He's telling you that he brought you here today it wasn't on accident. You brought he brought you here right now to so tell you it's time to get ready. There's another group of people who are here today. A group of people who have been walking around the desert for a bunch of years. Circling the same old wagon. Walking around, living, getting punched on the chin, taking it here, taking it there, realizing that Gosh, you know, I guess this is what I deserve because I married that guy. That's what I deserve. I guess it's what I deserve. I took that job. I was the one that took it on. I shouldn't have. I guess that's what I deserve. And you've been taking punch after punch after punch. I'm here to tell you that it's enough. It's enough. And you need to get ready. Does it mean that you need to get re-saved or get, or get, get uh, re, uh, re-saved with Jesus? No, you don't have to get re-saved, but you do need to get realigned. You do need to get back in line. Because the devil's lied to you long enough and to try to tell you that, you know what, you've disqualified yourself from that heaven thing. Can I tell you this? If there's air in your lungs, I'm telling you God brought you here today because you didn't. And he wants you to draw close to him because he's brought you here. I don't know what your theology is on losing your salvation or not, but I'll tell you this right now. I can tell you I serve a big God who's a really forgiving God. But I also tell you this. He's a just God, and he brought you here. You know what he told me to do? Tell you this. told me to tell you, Lance, you tell them all to get ready. I don't know why. Well, I do know why. You know why? Because there's some giants to fight, because there's some giants that have been fighting you long enough. So let's pray. God, this morning we come before you. God, we thank you so much. We thank you that your words are alive and they're breathing and sharper than any double-edged sword. God, I know that in the sound of my voice that there are men and women, there are boys and girls. God, there are people who are listening to us this morning who are not ready. God, they literally have not surrendered their life to you. They've heard the sermons. They may even have raised their hands, but... On the inside, they didn't raise their hands. They live with somebody who has ready, but they don't feel ready. Right now, if that's you, I want you to just simply say, Jesus, I got to get ready. Will you take away my sin? Will you just take it? You died on the cross for me. You made a way. Lord, take my sin and give me your life. Give me salvation today, Jesus. I surrender my life to you. Just say that. I surrender my life to you. Maybe you're here this morning and you remember saying that years ago, but you found yourself over the last season of your life walking around a desert, bumping into the same old things. And you're at a point today where God's saying, enough is enough is enough. I have hope and rest for your soul if you'll trust me. If you'll trust me. Go ahead, just you and Jesus. Jesus, forgive me for walking away from you. Forgive me for marginalizing my walk with you. Go ahead, Jesus, I just give you me. I want to possess the promised land. I, I want to cultivate maturity in my life. I want to grow up in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.